Well, good morning, church. It's great to be with you again this morning. We've been looking at some Bible characters over the last few weeks, just talking about this new series of a um, a new day dawning. And today I want to bring um, your attention to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, and specifically Isaiah's new message. So that's the title of the, the sermon this morning is Isaiah, a new message. And this, uh, this, this really is a great segue into the upcoming Christmas time because what Isaiah's new message was essentially was all about the Savior that would be born. And, you, you know, we sing a lot of the music that we sing at Christmas time. For unto us a, a child is born, a son is given from, from Handel's Messiah. That's taken directly out of the book of Isaiah. So uh, Isaiah is important to Christmas and the new covenant as it was his prophecies that spoke to the person of Jesus more than any other new te- any of the other Old Testament voices combined. Isaiah spoke of new things. He said in Isaiah 42 and verse 9, Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Behold, they spring forth. I proclaim them to you. We, we use that verse right back in the beginning as we did with this one. Do not remember the past events and pay no attention to things of old. Look, I'm about to do something new. Even now it's coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And then again in Isaiah 48 and verse 6, he says, You have heard it, observe it all, will you not acknowledge it? From now on, I will announce to you new things, hidden things that have not been known. So we find that Isaiah begins to change his tack with with respect to the prophetic and he moves past prophesying that Israel would come back out of um out of their captivity and some of these uh, way in the wilderness rivers in the desert type um, type words type images are, are about that situation but he moves past that and he begins to speak uh, quite accurately about Jesus in fact we'll see it a little bit later on when we talk about Isaiah 53 his prophecies concerning the suffering Messiah was so accurate that many were tempted to think that the book of Isaiah was actually written after Jesus the time of Jesus because they thought it just couldn't be that accurate it's just not possible and and all of that was just blown out of the water when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found and the book of Isaiah that was found complete in the Dead Sea Scrolls was dated at 100 years prior to the time of Jesus. And the really cool thing was that the, the, uh, the manuscript that we had been using, that all of our English Bibles had been taken from, was dated around 1000 BC. And all of a sudden, here was this, this Isaiah scroll from 1100 years before. And apart from six or seven minor, minor differences... The words were exactly the same. And so we can have great confidence in the word of God because it has been so faithfully transmitted to us. So Isaiah spoke of the Messiah. Isaiah began to refine the concept of Messiah, uh, of Messiah that was first hinted at in Deuteronomy. Moses declared that God would send a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. And so in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah begins to develop this Messiah theme as part of his new day, new things declaration. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 11. 
Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. The Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and strength, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight will be in the fear of the Lord. He will not execute, sorry, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes. He will not execute justice by what he hears with his ears, but he will judge the poor righteously and execute justice for the oppressed of the land. He will strike the land with a scepter from his mouth and he will kill the wicked with a command from his lips. Righteousness will be a belt around his hips and faithfulness will be a belt around his waist. Imagine what it would have been like for the disciples as they began to see the life of Jesus unfold and see Jesus beginning to do the things that he did. They see the Spirit coming upon him. They see the evidence of the Spirit within him. Surely the words of Isaiah would have come quickly to their imagination, come quickly to their thoughts as they, as they just said, wow, this is what Isaiah was speaking about all that time ago. Okay, today I want to look at three facets from his prophetic declaration related to Jesus, the Messiah Israel was waiting for. And I will show how we can draw confidence from these three facets as we approach Jesus in our faith journey. So let's pray this morning and ask that the Lord would open up the scriptures to us, open up our hearts uh, to to be uh, hearers of the word and open up our minds to understand it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit that comes and helps us at all times. And so today, Lord, we ask that your spirit would open the word to us. Lord, your spirit would open our hearts. God, to, he, to, to receive your word, and Lord, that you would open our minds to understand your word indeed, that we might know more about Jesus Christ, whom we've come to love and to know and to worship. And we thank you in his precious name. Amen. So the first verse we're going to look at is found in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. And then again in Isaiah 9, verse 6 and 7. These are really well-known Christmas verses. You'll know them. You'll recognize them straight away. The first one says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel, which means God's with us. And then it goes on in verse chapter 9 to say, For a child will be born to us. For unto us a child is born, a son will be given to us, the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, since the time of Handel, that song, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, that has been sung every Christmas for whatever, several hundred years. And, uh, and, and I've sung it with the young Messiah at St. Philip's many, many moons ago, and I love it exceedingly so our first thing god will give us a new sign uh, and this speaks of the divinity of jesus christ it's not a sign that will come from anywhere other than the lord it says in verse 7 in chapter 7 there the lord himself will give you a sign it's not some random sign in the sky it's not some some um random thing that takes place it's god actually doing the work and we find that later when uh God is speaking to Mary through the, the angel Gabriel. And she says, how am I going to become pregnant? I've, I've never known a man. And the angel says to her, God himself will overshadow you. The spirit of God will overshadow you. And what is conceived inside of you is born of God. And so we find that, that uh, in the same way as, uh, as, as we are human, 
Jesus was also divine in his nature. Now, why did he need to be divine? Well, the simple answer to that is no man is qualified. Isaiah himself earlier on says that um, we, looked, we looked for a man. We, and I wonder that there was no intercessor. Therefore, God's own right arm, in other the Good News Version says, his own power brought salvation for him and his own righteousness sustained him. The, the Bible says that all of us have gone astray. Every man has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it was necessary for, for Jesus to be divine because as a human only, he could never uh, be enough. He could never be able to do what needed to be done. Isaiah prophesies that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Verse 19 of uh, Isaiah 59. And then in verse 20 it says, The Redeemer will come from Zion, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. Uh, Galatians speaks about the fulfillment of this time. It says, For when the time of the fulfillment came, the fulfillment of what? The fulfillment of this verse. God sent forth his own son, born of a woman, born under the law, and listen to it, in order that he might redeem those who are under the law. So who's the one that's going to redeem those who are under the law? Well, it's the redeemer that comes to Zion that Isaiah was speaking about. So that we might receive the gift of sonship from God. So the first thing is it talks about his nature. The fact that he was divine, but also it talks about his ability. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus taught the disciples with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. This agrees with the words of Jeremiah, the prophet, who says in Jeremiah 32, 17, O Lord God, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. And how, how incredibly Paul sums this up in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we might ask according to the power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So Jesus is qualified by nature and by ability. I love what it says there in Ephesians chapter 3. It says he's able to begin with. Now he has to be able, before he can do anything, before we can receive anything from Christ, Jesus has to be able. When the blind man came to Jesus and said, sorry, the leper came to Jesus and said, Master, if you're willing, you can make me whole. Well, why did he say that if you're willing? Well, he already knew that he was able. Being able wasn't in the question. He wouldn't have come to Jesus if he didn't think Jesus was able. And so not only is Jesus able, but he's able to do. He's, he's, the outworking of his power is toward us. And he's not only able to do, but he's able to do immeasurably more than everything we could ask or think. No wonder Paul prays, I pray for you also that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him in Ephesians 1 and verse 19. So number one, God gives a new sign. Number two, Isaiah prophesies about a new son, Jesus' humanity, the ability to identify with us as humans 
Jesus is approachable. Then a shoot will grow from the stump of Jesse and a branch from uh, his roots will bear fruit and the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him as we saw earlier. So it was essential not only for Jesus to be divine so that he was able, it was essential for him to be human so that he could relate to us, that he could be approachable. The writer of the Hebrews picks up this thought in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15, and then 17 and 18. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying, talking about us. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we suffer and we are tested. As, as a human, Jesus understands us. He knows what we're feeling because he's felt it all himself. He is approachable and he has become our faithful high priest. He will never cast us out. Listen to his own words in John chapter 6 and verse 37. Everyone whom the Father gives to me will come to me and I will never turn him away. Anyone who comes to me. Isaiah picks up again in Isaiah 42 this thought, A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. So a new sign, a new son, talking about the divinity and the humanity of Jesus Christ. And then lastly, a new saviour. Isaiah 53 and verse 5 and 6 and verse 10 talks about Jesus' acceptability as God's uh, sacrifice, God's Messiah. The ability to satisfy God's requirements. Jesus is adequate. But he was pierced for our rebellion, Isaiah says. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. Imagine what it was like for the disciples as they saw this taking place and going, wow, Isaiah saw this, what was it, 700 years ago. He saw this as though it was unfolding before his very eyes. And, he, and he's put it down in, in, in words. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. But it was God's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Paul describes this acceptability to Jesus when writing to the Ephesians. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. I love the way it says that. In another translation, it says God's power usward or toward us. Jesus, the power that Jesus operates is not random. It's not going in any direction. His power is channeled toward us who believe in him. It's the same mighty power that, listen, 
that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. The church is his body and is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. You know, Jesus was vindicated by the Father. <clears throat> if he wasn't acceptable, he never would have been able to rise from the grave. Death would have had a rightful claim on him. But as Acts 2.24 says, death had no claim on him. And so he was, number one, raised. Verse 20 teaches, tells us that. He was not only raised, but he was honoured. And he was not only honoured, but verse 21 says, he was exalted. It took another prophet's eyes to see Jesus for who he is. Even though he was a relative, the words of John the Baptist ring out. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb, harking back to the uh, to the the Passover that Terry spoke about earlier, that uh, they took a spotless lamb, perfect in every way, and sacrificed him for the nation. So Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, perfect in every way, was sacrificed for our sin, that we would be made whole. So what does this do for us? Well, it really does give us a new confidence. Ephesians 3 and verse 12 says, Because of Christ, our faith in him, and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Why? Because Jesus is able, because he's God. He's approachable because he's human. And Jesus is adequate because he was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect Messiah who satisfied all the requirements that God laid down that our sins might be forgiven. So as we, as we close today, let's think about that. Jesus is not just uh, an, an incredible um, nature of God type that, uh, that is just far above. He's the one that came down to us as Emmanuel, God with us. He's the one that took on human form and suffered in the same way as we do, the Bible says, yet without sin. And he is one that, that gave himself to the cross to satisfy God's requirements. And God proved that by raising him from the dead. Lord Jesus Christ, we stand before you all today so grateful for who you are. We thank you that Isaiah, all those years ago, saw the incredible spectacle that was your life, your death, and your resurrection. God, we thank you that you took on divine nature you, you are divine. God, you have the power and the nature to not only do what is right and everything that is needed, but to do it for us. You became the Redeemer. Lord God, you are human and you are so approachable to us. Like you say, God, you would not cast out those that come to you. And then lastly, Lord, you are adequate. You are the adequate sacrifice to satisfy everything that God required, that we might be whole, that we might stand here today righteous because of everything that you did. Lord Jesus, we bless you today and we thank you for that great sacrifice. In your precious name, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Northeast. Have a great day and think about these things as you go through the week. Bless you all.